0: You're listening to the Truth in Boots podcast. Join me as we search the Bible for truth about our God, for hope to encourage us through hard trials and struggles, and for answers for anyone who questions our faith. The truth of God's Word is not fragile, impractical, and only used on special occasions like a pair of stiletto heels. God's Word, like a pair of sturdy boots, is meant to be put to work daily and is designed to protect us and help us through the mud, streams, and rocks of life. Last week on the podcast, I left you with a cliffhanger that the book of Deuteronomy is my favorite book of the Bible. Yes, that's a bit bizarre. It's not John, it's not Romans, it's not Psalms, it's not Genesis, it's Deuteronomy. That is a bit bizarre if you think about it. It's one of the boring books, the Pentateuch, right? Just a book you have to read through to get the rest of the good stuff in your reading through the Bible in the year. But I would like to spend the next several episodes exploring the book of Deuteronomy with you and showing you the awesome message that Deuteronomy holds and why it's so special to me. Um, so this episode, we're going to lay the background of why Deuteronomy's Deuteronomy um, is a particular interesting book and why it's so special to me, but also give you the setting of the book so you can know what um, where it is in the context of scripture, just like you're supposed to do whenever you start any new study of any book in the Bible. Okay, so years and years ago, I started having a struggle with a particular sin problem. Now, in future episodes, I'll get into the details of what that is But for now, just know that off and on over the years, I have struggled with a particular problem. One time, either late high school or maybe the beginning of my freshman year, I'm thinking it's towards the beginning of my freshman year in college. um, I was struggling with this again one day, and I wanted to overcome it, but the temptation was just so great that I, you know, had that, you all know that feeling. You just feel like you have to give in. And that's when God brought to mind the temptation that Christ went through. And, you know, the verses that there's no temptation, but such as common to man. And that um, he's given us a way to overcome. So this particular time I decided, okay, I am going to overcome this. And the way I'm going to overcome this is... By studying Christ's temptation. So right there, mid-struggle, I pulled out my Bible and opened to Matthew chapter 4 to reread that. Hoping that was, you know, the the one thing I could latch onto to get through this this time. So Matthew chapter 4, I'm sure it's very familiar to everyone. And we've heard sermons on it read it multiple times probably in our lives and i had done the same thing but this time i saw something new just you know scripture is constantly um it's it's scripture is living it's powerful and every time we come to a passage we can see something new that's the wonderful awesome word of god so this particular time, I'm reading through it, and I notice the scripture that both Christ and Satan quote. So Christ didn't overcome scripture, overcome these temptations just by, you know, his own power and, you know, everything that was within him. No, he used a tool. I mean, he could have. He's God. 100% God, 100% man, and totally sinless, so he could have. But as an example to us, he used the tool of scripture in overcoming this temptation. So the first scripture he quoted was, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then Satan... Um, Takes a hint and is like, okay, I can't get him by just giving to temptation. So I'm going to do what I did back in the Garden of Eden and twist God's words. So God had given Adam and Eve a command and he repeated it to Eve, but slightly twisted it. And Eve didn't catch the twist. In fact, she twisted God's word herself. Um, So that's what Satan does here. He takes this passage out of context and says, He will command his angels concerning you. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Well, Christ combats that, misquoting the scripture, with another verse. He says, again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the final temptation is, Jesus says, Begone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now, a couple thoughts that occurred to me. One was, while Christ, of course, studied the Old Testament, or at that time the only scriptures he had so thoroughly, he could see when Satan was misquoting. So that's a challenge for you and me. Um, that we know our God and our Bible so well that when we hear false preaching, that when um, we twist scripture ourselves, we can't instantly recognize it. That, okay, that does not sound right. Let me go look that up and make sure what I know about my God is actually true and that this verse isn't being misused. Um, so that's one thing I noticed. But the other, I, for the first time, I don't know why I didn't do this before. Um, it's something you should do when you study your, your Bible. As you come across quotes in the New Testament of Old Testament scripture, it's really beneficial for you to look up where the person is quoting from. And the first time ever, I looked it up and saw that Christ quoted all three scriptures from the same book of the Bible. And what took me by surprise was it's not Psalms. You know, a lot of people quote Psalms. And it's very encouraging for us in the modern church. And um, has a lot of promises from God. But he didn't quote Psalms. And it's not Isaiah or any of the prophets, which most of the rest of the New Testament heavily quotes from. I mean, Paul's constantly quoting the prophets. Um, But it's not that either. Christ quotes exclusively from the book of Deuteronomy. Now, when I saw that, that kind of floored me. I'm like, Who knew Deuteronomy contained such powerful truths as man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, or you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve, or you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Those are some very foundational truths, and those all came from Deuteronomy. So that got me thinking. If Christ found such powerful truths from the book of Deuteronomy, there has to be more to it than just boring additional rules that Moses is giving. Now, I had read Deuteronomy before. Um, In fact, I was one of those, um, what, what do you call them? Habitual start and stop people when reading the Bible through the year. I would start with high expectations and read and then maybe get through part of Leviticus and then quit. But um, I typically ended up quitting somewhere around Joshua. I mean, it was good if I got to Joshua, but inevitably when they started dividing up the land and everything, I was just done. Done. I could not take any more details. And my reading through the Bible in the year ceased. So, I read read Deuteronomy before, but I guess I just (laughs) didn't really comprehend it, Um, which we do all the time. We read and don't really think about what what we're reading. And another thought occurred to me as I'm mulling over all of this. The book of Psalms, which I previously referenced is highly quoted today and a lot of people's favorites whenever they have trials or struggles they go to psalms to get encouragement but david who wrote a good portion of the psalms didn't have the psalms to read to get encouragement or learn about his god no he had the pentateuch genesis exodus leviticus deuteronomy and numbers got that wrong numbers deuteronomy And David knew his God that well by studying just these five books. So, Christ and David found such great encouragement and knowledge through a, quote, boring book like Deuteronomy. So, I decided I'm going to study this book intensely, exclusively, And see what is so great about it. So over the past 10, 15 years, I've come back to this book multiple times. And each time I come back, I see new tidbits and and wowed again with the amazing foresight and revelation in this book. I mean... In my opinion, if you want the clearest picture of who your God is and what he has done for you, one of the best books to do that is Deuteronomy. Now, that's a bold statement, but I'm hoping that through this study, you can come to see that that is true as well. Okay, so Deuteronomy is exclusively written by Moses. Moses... Uh, penned the first five books of the Bible. He probably compiled Genesis from several different written sources. Um, But we attribute Moses with authorship of all these first several books. And this book here is special. Um, The first verse in Deuteronomy says, these are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness. And going on down, it is 11 days from here." By the way of here, in the fortieth year, on the first day of the eleventh month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. Okay, so that's our setting. Fortieth year. Now that references the forty-year wandering in the wilderness. So let's, let's lay the background here. Moses goes into Egypt, gets the Israelites, and... God directs him in leading them out of Egypt. God sends the 10 plagues. He takes them to um, the Red Sea where he parts the Red Sea. And then there he um, destroys the armies of Pharaoh and then they, the Israelites journey to um, Mount Sinai where they get the 10 commandments and the details of how to build the tabernacle and how to worship God and everything God expects them to do. So, they build a tabernacle, journey to the promised land. And at the promised land, they send in spies to just see what's out there so they know how to go into the land and, you know, direction wise and everything. What's there? What do we have to conquer? So, the 12 spies come back and they say, Yes, it's an awesome land. But 10 of those spies say, We can't conquer this land. There's giants there. We don't. We we we're gonna get killed. We're gonna get slaughtered in the wilderness. Let's go back to Egypt where our lives were hunky dory. Now, of course, they were misremembering Egypt where they were in terrible slavery and miserable. But we have selective memory whenever we get to difficult situations, and we just want to go back to times when when um, times were quote better when they really weren't. Okay, so God is mad at Israel for not. Trusting him. I mean, he just sent 10 plagues to get them out of the most powerful um, country in the world at the time. And they defeated the most powerful king in the world at the time. Actually, God did, not them. But they won't trust God to bring them into this promised land with these not as powerful um, nations. So God wants to destroy them all. And Moses prays and says, No, don't destroy them all. What will the nations think? Um, They'll think you can't bring your people into the promised land. So God listens to Moses' plea and says, Okay, I won't destroy them all right now. I will send them into the wilderness where they will wander for 40 years until everyone that was a man of war right now is dead. So I'm going to kill them all still, but do it slowly. And then after 40 years, the kids that they were so concerned about dying at the hand of these giants, those kids are going to be the ones that inherit the promised land. So they wander in the wilderness 40 years. Everyone dies off. Um, in the middle there, Moses disobeys God and dishonors him. So even Moses can't go into the promised land now. And then they finally start heading back to um the land and on the way there they destroy all the kingdoms on the east side of the jordan um the first chapter here references sihon the king of the amorites who lived in heshbon and og the king of bashan who lived in ashtaroth and edria i just butchered those names but you know what i mean um so they just defeated defeated these kings which had more than 60 cities under their control That is a lot of success already. And Moses was supervising all those battles. Joshua was leading all those battles. God was enabling them to defeat all these people, all these kings. And now they're standing at the Jordan, ready to go into the other side and take possession of the land that God has promised them and that they've been waiting for for hundreds of years. So that is the setting. Moses can't go with them, though. Because he disobeyed God and dishonored God in front of the people, Moses is also forbidden to enter the promised land. So what does he do? He gives his final sermon, his final admonition, his final chance to mentor and communicate to these people. And that is the book of Deuteronomy. Basically, his last words, his final sermon, what was so important, he had to say it just one more time. Okay, so if you were Moses and you had one last chance to tell someone really special to you something important before sending them off into the world and you die, think of maybe your kids or maybe um, someone you've closely mentored in their spiritual relationship, What would you tell them if you're Moses and in his shoes, what would be your last words on earth to a people that you want to have success? So I thought of, okay, maybe, you know, you give them a pep talk. You've got this. You can go in there. You can beat them. I mean, see what you've just done to these 60 cities. Oh, you, you've got this in the can. No worries here. Or does he say, don't mess up like your parents did? I mean, you were here before 40 years ago. They totally screwed up. And then they were saying back to the wilderness. Don't get another 40 years in the wilderness. Don't mess up. Obey God and do what he tells you. Okay, that's another option. Or maybe you could do some complaining. It's your fault that I'm not going in. Yada, yada, yada. Well, he does say all those, but that's not his main message. Um, His main message, his thesis, after you skip over the first few chapters, which is basically a rehash of everything I just told you, the the setting of everything coming up to this moment that Moses is speaking to Israel. He's finally in chapter 4 and verse 1. This is his thesis. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Okay, let's break down this thesis. It it's, comes in five different parts. First part is, and now, o Israel, listen. So, listen. Listen to what? Listen to the commandments, to the rules. Why should you listen? There's motivation, both curses and blessings. Um, and then... <sighs> okay, let's break down this thesis into its five parts. First, Moses says to listen. Second, Moses says to listen to these rules, these commandments from God. Third, why should you listen Listen that you may actually live and inhabit the promised land. There is a motivation there. Fourth, who should you listen to? Well, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Joseph. And then finally, listen so that you can trust God to give you this land. Over the next few weeks, we'll be breaking down each of these points and developing them further. So I invite you back to join me then.